Episode 43 of Board Games with Variant Hex is all about gaming on the go in Madison, Wisconsin. I'm Kelly, and in this episode, Aaron, Jason, and I talk with Adam about our trip to visit him. This is indeed the very Jason who we often reference but had yet to be on the podcast. We'll spend the first half of the episode talking about games and the second half shooting the breeze about other things that we did. And if you're only interested in the games, there'll be an interlude in between to let you know when we're shifting gears. Without further ado, I'll turn it over to the entire Variant Hex gang talking about our trip to Madison, Wisconsin. Let's play a game of Verbal Wordle. I've got a word. Oh, man. Wordle. You know what, Adam? This gives me pause. You know what the most disappointing thing about Wordle is? Please tell us. It's that uh, turtle is a six-letter word. Oh, and you can't use turtle. You can't use turtle and wordle, and it bothers me so much. Wordle, in fact, oh. is not a five-letter word. Oh, you can't use Wordle and Wordle. Yeah. Mind blown. Yeah, that's good. This is a five-letter word, though. Pause. That's the word he's picking. Yeah. P-A-U-S-E. Oh, P-A-U-S-E. he's not telling you to shut up. Shut up, Adam. Word. We're wordling here. Uh, the, the U is in the correct incorrect location. Mm. That is the only. Quote. The Q and the U are in the correct location. <sighs> uh, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, in the first word, the a, there was uh, an A that's in the wrong location. Mm-hmm. Corn, like the fake meat. No, that's <laughs> the not Q-U-O. it. There's, there's no. Yeah, it could be. He gets a bird. A bird? Yeah. A plane? No. Superman? Because I said pause and quote. Yeah, it could be quail. I'm going to go with quail, Adam. Not quail. Uh, is the A pa- in the right place? Pause has an A. Well, he said that actually we needed the A. There is an uh, A in there. Yeah. Is the A in the right place? Oh, this one? Yes, the A is oh. in the right place on this one. Yeah. Quay. Quay. Uh, does I, I think the animal theme is still good. I think we should. I, I think we should go with the noise a duck makes. I don't know why you're doing them all as riddles. Well, it's just more. I was. You know, we're doing a thing. <laughs> quack, Adam. I think quack. I'm trying. I was, you know, trying not to be the only one to guess. The word is quack. Uh, while we're on the subject, let's talk about quacks of Quedlinburg. Uh, the first <laughs> game that we played um, when all of you came up to visit me. In the great state of Wisconsin, namely in the Madison and Madison adjacent areas. Wait, you guys went to so, Wisconsin? That's where we were. That was oh, Wisconsin. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's a great game. We we had played it all before. Yeah. We only played online. Is first time playing it in real life? Uh, I have not played it in real life. I think J- I've I? only played it in real life. I don't think I've played it online. You didn't play it online. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, I, I think it's the first time I played it in real life, and I think. I think it's a, I think it's better in person. I think some games are better online. I think Quacks is more I think, fun in person. I mean, a lot of things are better in person. What is nice about Quacks online is you can all sit on the same side of the table and kind of see everybody's thing very easily. So you can kind of see what people are building towards and whether they're busting or not. Where we played in a booth at a not a diner but kind of a breakfast diner vibe. Yeah. Um, which was nice and spacious. Uh, pancake house, but not international. Definitely no, not a coffee house. Very local pancake yeah. cafe. Yeah, best coffee of the trip was there, I believe. Opposite. Um, you, if it was a great table for it, uh, it was a great game. The worker asked us about it, which I always think is nice. Like, mm-hmm. oh, what are you guys doing? Which I think is code for you're going to be here for a while, right? Like we're just <laughs> calculating this into all tip math. There's a right? lot it's a of nice little pieces. In a, in a way. I want like a tactful way to be like, listen, we're going to give you a great tip because of it. Just chill out. But there's not wow, like a tactful you're, you're way. You're bringing a bit of a energy. Yeah. Here's a toy. I don't personally yell at waitresses like Aaron, but I, you know, I, I, so. I, don't, I don't take the tone. It's just in my head. I'm like, oh, oh I'm, I'm going to take care of it. It's fine. 
I didn't feel any of this pressure while playing quacks. I feel social pressure, I, and waitresses play social pressure on you to leave their tables. You, you say that, but quacks, like, you don't feel waitress pressure, but you do feel pressure playing quacks. Like, that's the whole... That's true. That is the fun of the game. Explosion pressure. That's true. Yeah. I was doing so well, and again, it's completely luck. A little bit, like, you do make choices as to what you buy and put into it's your bag. bag. Yeah. It's bag math. But when it comes down to it, as you're pulling ones out, yes, one outcome may be more likely than another, but what actually ends up coming out is just straight luck. And up until the last turn, I the bag math was really just going great for me. And then it was everything that I miraculously didn't pull before has all come out at once and it's over. The, ga- the game's over. I do like that there's just... What is it, eight rounds? I think six. Oh, it's got to be more than no, six. No, it's, it's eight, I think. It's eight, I think. Could Maybe be it's nine. We, well, we'll have to, we'll have to look. I, I like that there, there is bag math. There's different, like, different potions that can be a part of the game, which gives replayability. And I feel like most of the combinations yeah. have more than one way to win. Uh, I... I I feel like I played like suboptimally, but then got yeah. the best of the bag math, um, and and therefore won. But not I think either if if either three of you had not had kind of unlucky runs at points in the game, you would have I couldn't have kept up. I had the opposite problem oh. where I literally played better than anyone else has ever played that game uh-huh. ever in their lives, mm-hmm. like like gods of Quedlinburg level bag pulling, and just the worst luck. Yeah, I think I think Jason like <laughs> attached some glue to the white potions because he was just they were just every time a little he sticky. Was Maybe the it was a little syrup. Oh, it was pancake house. Yeah. Oh, could, could I be like that on brand. I think this is the first time Jason you've been on the podcast. By the way, uh, I believe that is correct. Yes, mm-hmm. long time oh, listener, okay. first time caller, often mentioned, <laughs> referenced very regularly. Yeah. So. I, I, I didn't know if we needed a formal introduction of, hello, Jason, welcome. Hello, Jason. Hello, podcast world. This is my podcast voice. That's, that's, not, your, I've, that's not your podcast voice. This is my podcast voice. None of these are good podcast voices. They won't be picked up no. well by the microphones oh, and will ultimately enough. be right. cut out of this podcast. Yeah. It was a very yes. frustrating game of, of quacks. I wanted to throw the table... It would have been very difficult. I know. The, the it was, table a was very large. large. I think it was bolted down. You know, and that's a, a pro yeah. tip... Uh, those gi- big giant pancake house booths, fantastic for board games. Yeah, I was glad. I was yep. glad that we got that spot. There was it enough was, space in the bench yeah. to store the other games that we had brought as selections. They walked us right by one of those super tiny four four seaters too. Not today, four seater. Mm-hmm. And that's when we We're are clackening. gaming on location. It's something I hadn't thought about a lot, but it is. You do start to figure out the locations where. You are welcome to stay for a long time. One of the other places that we went, lovely place, but it did not feel as though people hang out for three hours at a time taking up a table. So then you are trying to, not with the exact aggression that Aaron was mentioning before, you are trying to kind of be polite as you're out places and not overstay your welcome. You know, if they're trying to turn over tables in a way that's quite obvious, maybe you don't want to pull out a super long game. Maybe you want to pull out something smaller. Um, But we felt... Very welcomed with quacks. She uh, was kind of like, all right, you'll be here a while. Catch you later. Yeah. And kind of went about, or the right, just kind of just went about her business. So after Aaron wins quacks, and this is really on day two, I guess day one, we didn't really do, we didn't play anything, I don't think, day one. Yeah. But uh, so so this was our first game on day two. And then we leave the diner, the large diner. Mm-hmm. And then we went from there to the game store, correct? If I'm doing my... 
I think so. Oh. You know what? I'm going to go with the narration. Yeah. I, I Noble Knigets. Noble Knights was uh, also uh, known as among the highlights of the of the trip. That place was uh, that place was amazing. Oh. Yeah, large. it has a large presence when you like pull into it as well. Yeah, yeah. Like, because there's they a have, whole warehouse. Right, they have a online store. I've since visited the online store. Would definitely recommend it because they sell both new and used games. Which there are a lot of ways to find used games, but still not as many as there should be. Uh, I bought a couple of their used games. They have been great. They kind of will price them differently based on, I believe, condition and then what might be included or not. So definitely recommend checking out. I'm I'm pretty sure it's noblenight.com. And they also, uh, the day that we went, you were trading in games, right? I sure was. I took some very popular games and also other games and on what the, were the other games i only uh, remember the popular ones uh loot crate decks that came what well, super fight loot crate decks uh, that was some of the other games yeah. a classic edition of mancala i put that down under other games yeah there were a few more but like in the things people want category we sold a wingspan terraforming mars and sleeping gods and I think looking back on uh, tapest, wait, no, not tapestry, pen, pendulum. Looking back on it, I got a good amount of credit, but I think that part of that, I'm, I'm thinking Sleeping Gods pulled a lot of weight there as something they could very quickly turn over yeah. and, and sell to somebody else. People really want to die in the ocean. Yeah. Is that I, the game? You I, die, I, die in uh, the ocean? Kind of, yeah. Okay. Kind of. I, I had a hard time getting back to the ocean after I left the ocean in Sleeping Gods. I felt like... I was always wanting for turns. You were more of the sleeping than the gods part. You know, I just, I wanted to like uncover every like nook and cranny of each story. And what that does is get you no place. It gets you a lot of keywords. And I, other people talk about it so highly. And sometimes, you know, if, if we were in a place where we only bought a game or two a year, maybe we would spend more time with it and try to, you know, get to that next level. But for Aaron and I both, for the initial playthrough, which was still like a dozen hours to get through it once, it was just like, now nah, we got too many other games to play, too many other things to discover. We're just going to pass this on. And I'm sure someone is going to be like thrilled. That's how I view it. Someone's going to be thrilled that they got a used copy of Sleeping Gods that has like one U sheet in it and everything else looks like perfect. So, you know, it's just kind of doing it for the community. I will say about Noble Knights. In addition to having a cool online store, to giving us a great value for our trades and all of that stuff, I thought that like the interior decor was very much on theme, but not over the top, which I didn't expect. I didn't think that much about the decor. Oh, I thought it was, you know, very, very vaguely castle-like, but not too much to make me but like Wasn't upset. there just the one castle thing? No, there was like little castle-y elements all around the top. Really? Yeah. I was just looking at the games. Huh. Which there were oh. a lot. So this same day that we were there, uh, you guys were trading stuff in. There was this uh, group of three, uh, we'll say upper middle age people that brought in two like truckloads worth. I'm going to say truckload. I don't know how else to describe it of classic vintage war games. So if you want that stuff, yeah, they're so probably selling They're going to sell it. Not only that, but just like I'm I, I got to be honest, like I play a lot of board games. There is a little bit of me that's slightly interested in those. Good for you. <laughs> oh. I, I just, I want to, I want to know because people are talking, it takes hours, if not days to play these things and people did it willingly. And so there's got to be something good in there. I can't, I can't go on that logic. People are doing all kinds of things I don't like. 
It's a great. Okay. Well, the opposite of that story is there was a guy who brought in one game, <laughs> also, and they told him, "Yeah, no one wants that game." <laughs> and I don't know what number they gave him to offer, he but took it was. It, though clearly a low number so yeah, that was their just reasoning. be like this needs to not be in my life like why do you think i'm here no one wants this game i'm someone yeah i yeah. also don't want it so no one likes me out there for a while and again it is a great store i've gone there as a as a local now several times you know to purchase games that's kind of the home base store so but so we leave there i guess the next game we would have played then because that afternoon evening in between uh other local uh tours and dinner we played Maybe we played Tumbletown. We, we don't actually know if we played Tumbletown. Oh, we played some played version, it. maybe of Tumbletown. And that was a game that I bought used from Noble Knight. Did you have you have you since confirmed? Did we play anything correctly? I haven't looked. I mean, as my mom says, if you had fun, you won. Sure. So, and I had a lovely time. Oh, I mean, spending time with you guys was great. I don't. I'm not sure what. I, I'm not sure that it would. I mean, there were parts of it that were definitely a game. Yeah. I didn't dislike the game. I think the fact that you are, there's all these building cards out there. There's a big piles of dice and you are getting to pick those dice, roll them and try to stack them onto these building cards that you claim in the right way. And it might be that they all have to be evens. They all have to be odds. They have to be over a certain value. And I like that as we were building these little towns, you literally put the dice on the card. So it's like all the little buildings are built with dice. I think that's very cute. Mm -hmm. What's not great is that the dice should have probably been Sagrada size. They should have been a little smaller. They were like regular standard size dice, which means they didn't actually fit on the cards themselves exactly right. Yeah. And then placing them in the like town or on the main street that is how you build your little like tableau or whatever in front of you. It was confusing to figure out exactly how they were supposed to line up with the bonuses that you got. So we did, I mean, we played it. We took dice. We we sat there for a time until we were done. But was any of it right? Uh, I don't know. Something happened that resembled a game. And yeah. someone won... I don't know. Mm, but we all had a good time. No, yes. But you know, Adam, you know what we played before we played that? What? Uh, role player. Oh, we did play role player. It's not even. Yeah. We had a little summary list before we jumped into this. It wasn't even on there. We went to a game cafe. Oh, yeah. The game, That's the, right. Yes. That, game that, was, was, that was the first game we played. That's that right. That was the first game we played. That game was better than the game cafe. Well, the game <laughs> cafe did leave us with a lot of questions. Sort of like how is this business existing? That was really the main one. And then when we left, we saw that there was clearly the place we should have went next door that was full of people playing games. And we were in a basement by ourselves. So that, but role player, a good time. A great time. I I had never, uh, you guys had played it before, right? We had played it online. uh, I had never played played it before. It it was a puzzle that was very, uh, as the puzzle... Uh, became more clear it was it was exhilarating it was very much like oh i want to figure out how to do this better and i got really hooked by it i thought i had i did have the complaint with role player that I f- it feels like you're building this character for what yeah which like, they've addressed over time i think now you get you can use that character in their other games yeah which i think is super exciting because that as a as a mechanism for building a character mm-hmm. what fun mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I like about role player that you get the storytelling element, like not a, not so much that it detracts from the game, but there mm-hmm. is a certain you get the uh, some sort of a quality 
at the beginning of the game. Right. And just enough to really make you feel nostalgic about, like, D&D character creation, I feel like. It's just those fun little yeah. elements in there. But it's and then everyone announces who you are. And then you start building your character. Because at the end, you also can be picking up traits as you play. So there's whatever yeah. you start with. So there is a little bit of backstory there of as you've made this character, yes, you already know how you started, but you can sort of pick and choose some different traits to add to that and your different equipment as well that you're carrying around. So you do have the baseline there to tell a story. I'm sure someone is starting their uh, tabletop campaigns using role player characters, at least for kind of like the setting. I'm, there's nothing stopping you from doing that. But the, ni- the nice thing is, like, uh, th- there is a certain element of, like, if you've played Dungeons & Dragons, if you've played, like, a traditional tabletop RPG, uh, to, to a certain extent, and this is, you know, very valid for the time that we're recording this, making a character sheet is a lot like doing your taxes. Mm-hmm. Finding numbers, putting them down, totaling things up, and then uh, there's none of that in role player. It's just a fun puzzle. It's yeah, just a there is still math. Cool dice. There, there is math, but there's like movement and shifting things around, and yeah, it's fun. Yeah, I enjoyed it quite a bit more than like looking at it. I, I was like, right. It's a lot better than I had any expectation for it to be. It's one that's been on since we played it online on Tabletop Simulator. I had played it solo on there as well, which is pretty easy to set up and then save. So it was one that had been on my like to buy list for quite some time. And I would always, it was usually in stock at the game store, which was also the reason why I was like, eh, I can get it some other time. So when we went to Noble Night, that was uh, one of the things I picked up. And that happens to be Wisconsin. I don't know if it's Madison or it's just Wisconsin is the home to Thunderworks games who make that game. So it also felt like, you know, in the shop local sense of it, I was going to buy that game from wherever anyways, but it is kind of cool that I did get it from a local game store in the place that actually that game works or Thunderworks is headquartered. It is also, you know, speaking of going to Wisconsin it is nice to, um, cause that is kind of ground zero for, United States board gaming, like United States modern gaming. Okay. Because that's where Gen Con started. And that's oh. where like TSR and, uh, I don't know if TSR is, but like Gary Gygax and uh, Steve Jackson and all those people started getting together. Okay. Okay. Like way back in the day. Yeah. One of the tour stops we did not make, and we might make in the future, is to the Gary Gygax Memorial uh, over in, or, uh, Lake Geneva, I believe, is where it's at. Yeah. Because then, like, people will go there. You put your dice on his name. Oh. You know, Aww. like, it's a whole ritual thing to do. So. I might cry. The That's weather would sweet. not cooperate with us making a hour and a half drive just to stand in the rain for a few minutes. But, like, you know, <laughs> uh, a different day. Maybe maybe that's a, uh, a summertime activity. Yeah. I think that's all the games we played that day, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. But then the next morning, we started up strong with French Bakery yes. and gaming. So. Yes. Oh, the, the French, French bakery. bakery. Top-notch for the record. Like, it was good food. I had a sweet and a savory. Both excellent. You, every morning, Adam, I believe that I was there, had a sweet and a savory. All right, careful. We don't be throwing stones to people having sweet and savory in the morning, okay? <laughs> throwing, All right, throwing, I didn't realize this Trying to get the day started. All right, Jason, let's, I was, let's be careful. I was just, bragging, here, I was okay? just bragging a little bit um, about so, you. Just so, bragging. And then we played in a much smaller table this time. Very yes. small table. Almost French bistro style. Yes, almost too small for the four of us. But the game itself, like, doesn't necessarily take up that much space. What game? 
Custom heroes. Custom heroes. Yes. Doesn't necessarily take up that much space because you really are, it's ladder climbing. You have all your cards in your hand. So you're not like trying to shuffle things in front of you at all. Um, but you do still have a little player screen where you keep improvements secret because it is a, another card crafting game uh, by John D. Clare. So you have these heroes numbered one to 10. You can uh, get these achievements or these upgrades for them and you slot them into the card sleeves. And now, you know, someone who was, you know, a five is now a 10 or has some other power or ability. A real glow up situation. Exactly. It's the most fun game I played in a long, long time. Custom Heroes. I think it is. Couldn't be better. I also have a lot of fun with it. I think it has this unique character, which is just an Adam and, and Aaron thing. Like, I think like there's some games where Adam and I will play the game and he could care less if he wins or loses or whether I win or lose or whatever. But there's some games where like we'll play and Adam especially likes it if I don't win. And that kind of makes the game more fun for me. And I feel like this is one of those games. You know, I, I'm not prepared to currently rank my top 10 games I want Aaron to lose, but boy, could I pretty easily, with some thought, do a full episode on that. Yeah. Um, I think this would be, I think this would be up there. But, yeah. It's not a, a, a terribly easy game to get your hands on right now, is it? I have no idea. I do think that they have it at Noble Knight. Okay. I think they had, like, uh, a, I think they may have been a couple used copies, because I believe one said, like, sleeved. Which is, when you first buy the game, if you buy it new, it is a bit of an undertaking for any of these card crafting games to uh, sleeve everything. Mm. Because for the start of it, you, uh, you of course, need your base cards in these sleeves so that you can improve them. And then they also all come with, like, a uh, the improvements are, like, clear cards that get slotted in there so you can still see what's behind it. Mm. And they all have this film on them so i sat there and peel, peeled it all off only later realizing that they were like you don't really have to take that off but it just felt like the right thing to do um what sure. i like a lot about the game uh being ladder climbing it's something that you could be counting cards with something that aaron loves to do but as a two-player game i'm not that's not really my interest and because the cards are always changing, the longer you play the game, you kind of have made, you know, custom heroes. You've made this custom deck and it gets harder to remember how much of everything that's in there. And then also because you can add the improvements at any time. It's not like at the end of the round, everyone adds an improvement and talks about it. You can keep those improvements behind your little screen. And just because of how a hand's going, like you were like, oh, I'm not going to add any improvements. And then they're like, they played four of that card well let me see what kind of math i can do to get four uh four nines if they've already played four sevens so that i can get rid of the cards in my hand because the goal every round is to just empty your hand first and there was this there was this uh normally you're trying to escalate the number you're trying to keep going up and so like by the end of the game like I think the highest card that we had was like a 17 or something yeah. like that. So it starts out everything's 10 and then you're adding new abilities and you can have I think up to four abilities in one sleeve. Mm -hmm. So long as you're playing carefully. So I think we had one card, maybe multiple cards that were 17s and there was also a negative one. <laughs> the <Huh>? negative one <laughs> but was annoying as hell. There was another card where you could reverse the order mm -hmm. of uh, the direction the cards were supposed to be going in. So someone could play the 17 uh, or, or it could be going up and then someone reverses it and suddenly... The 17 is no longer the most powerful card. Yeah. It's that negative, that, that crappy negative one that no one wants is the best card, the unbeatable card. That was so good. 
And in playing with four people, when you play with two, it's like they go, I go, they go, I go. So you always kind of, you can have a better rhythm about when you're going to get to put a card out. When three people have to go before you go again, maybe you started with a one. And by the time it gets back to you, it's already at like eight. Right. So when you have that reverse card, things that like you might've had a pair or three of a kind that you're like, oh, I'm going to put that down next. And it just soared past you. That card comes out and now you can have a chance to jump back into a yeah. round. And you can yeah. kind of like, because everything else has already been uh sort of taken out between you and mm -hmm. the other players now you can sort of run the deck straight down to the bottom yeah it's it's pretty exciting you know, yeah it doesn't it, happen a lot in those games at all that like that you go from this is the highest to just inversing it out of nowhere yeah and when you pull off a really good play in that game it feels amazing mm -hmm. it just feel yep. it feels very rewarding to do things and there's so much variety and and because everything gets shuffled up every every hand you don't get the same cards back you get a completely new hand of cards yeah you can do really poorly one round and do amazing the next round because the people that did well really powered up their cards and now they're in your hand mm -hmm. well and it rubber bands as well so you get more more resources to power up cards in future rounds if you do poorly yeah mm -hmm. so there's that too where you can like I feel like it's almost bad to, to win the first hand. I think yeah. in a, a two-player game, it's great to win the first hand because you win two hands and you, you're virtually going to win. Mm -hmm. yeah. But in a, in a five-player game, winning the first hand, I think, puts the target on your back and it makes the other people have more resources and it's not, it's not that great. And you have to... So when you, when you win the game, you get so many uh, chips that are like points. Hero po I don't know what they're called. Diamonds. Yep. Gems. gems. You get so many gems. And... To win the game, you have to collect 10 gems uh, or more and win the round. So go out first. But if you, if you have more than 10 gems and you come in last, you actually have to discard gems down to nine. So now you, if you finish last, you can no longer win the next round. You don't have enough resources to win the game. It's brutal. Yeah. Uh, but it does sort of keep the game... Uh, exciting and like keeps everyone on their toes. It, yeah, I had a lot of fun with this. I could basically play it at any time that anybody asked me for a very long period of time without being sad. Yeah, agreed. I will say, we did play it for a very long period of time. <laughs> yeah, we weren't. <laughs> no one was sad. The time on the box suggests that it is a quick game, and we played it once with four. And I think you know some of that as higher player counts. It's always for something like that. It can just be longer there's more cards more yeah. people thinking and making decisions um but we played it once at the uh at the bakery or at the french yeah french bakery the pizzeria if you will and then once again back at adams and we had five players oh. and i think that went for i don't know three hours is <laughs> three to nine hours i don't remember but yeah it was, it was somewhere in there so yeah. and again we were just hanging out we were trying snacks we were you know generally having a nice time so it's not in no way is that like a knock on the game but i will say we were we were really taking our time getting through yeah. getting through that game yeah but it, i mean it was enjoyable the, the majority of the time that we were playing it mm. and i think as you are seeing things for the first time, because even though Aaron and I had played it, I don't know how often we had actually played that reverse the order card, if at all. I don't think it had come up that much. I don't like cards like that because they okay. change the math. And so I've drawn so it a couple times it. and just left it, left it behind my screen. Madness. <laughs> Best card in the game. That sounds, I don't know why I'm surprised. That sounds exactly right. I'd never drawn it. I love that kind of thing. And it is what he, 
I feel like in the past you were not really liking this game. I think maybe you liked playing with all of the extra people. I think you said something about like more people made more sense to you because of all the four player card games you've played, like classic playing card games. Um, I, I just felt like I could remember what everyone else had better, which is counterintuitive. And it gets mixed up every time. So I'm still not really yeah, but it's buying not, that. It's not that I know exactly what's in your hand. It's that I know about what's in I your think hand. I you just felt better about all it. All right. Because you're apparently auras better. Apparently, no. you were drawing this uh, this power and never using it. Um, so yeah, I think as people are learning the game and seeing the kind of things that you can do, because you can understand it on you know a fundamental, just uh, you can understand the rules, and then as you actually get hands of cards and see these upgrades and see how it can come together, I think there's kind of another level that you realize um, that you can get to, and you kind of things get open up to you we're like oh i didn't even think uh, you when you talked about all this i didn't even think about having a negative one card like it didn't seem like that was even going to be a useful why thing why would and, you ever want that and now i see how actually that is kind of useful and you can start underneath one and get another card out of your hand or if it goes backwards now you have the top card so yeah i think that also plays into the time i think the more that any group played this game it would get a little faster because you would kind of already know those things and your strategy with how you wanted to alter the cards, you'd be able to implement it a little faster. And there, there also was one of the things that was also taking time was you, you get those extra uh, power-ups that you can sleeve. So by the time it gets to you, especially later in the game where maybe you have a bunch of extra powers because you haven't been sleeving things or um, you're just... You're like, oh, I think I can make this happen. There is this puzzle that happens where what can I put in the sleeves that I have to make something playable so yeah. that I can take this trick and lead off on the next trick? Yeah. That was such a fun... It's like a, a role player. Like that puzzle was a great puzzle. The puzzle of what do I sleeve right now so that I can do anything? Because what I have in my hand right now can't... I can't play anything, mm -hmm. but maybe with the stuff that I have in front of me, I can combine them in such a way that I can take control of this game. And especially later in the game, like I know I personally start dragging on just looking at, because I lost a lot early. So I ended up with options. a lot. Yeah, I had a lot of options. And I was like, I think, wait, maybe I can do this. And then 15 minutes later, I, I would finally lay down those three cards that I had carefully built by hand. And then watch me grin and then take them right back. Just some, I'm, oh, sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. So sorry. I'm so sorry. Were you? Who was first and second in that game? Oh, you know what? I was. Uh, I was third. Mm. <laughs> Takeaway from that game, other than the game being super fun, though, it's the first time in a long time that we have all sat at a dining room table and played a game in person, you know, yeah. and stuff. And there is just there's all these awesome options out there, and I'm so happy that Board Game Arena we talk about that all the time, Tabletop Simulator, but there is still nothing better than just actually sitting at a table with your friends and playing a game. And it was so great. We got takeout. I mean, it was just mm -hmm. the, the classic thing we've done for years. So, I mean, that that was my favorite part of your trip coming up here. You know, just to have that. You know, all the other stuff's cool, landmarks and stuff. But just to sit around and play a game with my friends again. It was a blast. It was a blast. And thank you for being such a uh, wonderful host for the entire weekend. Oh, I mean, obviously happy to do so. Wisconsin sells itself is what I've decided. So, I mean, really, it's just, you know. No, Wisconsin sells cheese. That's what oh. it does. And my stomach oh, has not been the same. She's in all the paintings, Wisconsin. Oh, I thought you were talking about cheese. Which, maybe. Yeah, it's in a lot of the paintings. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh... I didn't rub the badger's nose. 
Now, you're saying a lot of very specific things. No context needed. I think we all know what he means by rub the badger's nose. I We definitely don't. That's a, the there's, problem. There's a good luck badger at the state capitol. I know that I'm telling the audience and not you because you know. But you're looking very intently at her while you tell her. I think the audience needs to know this. I tell you, it's, sometimes it's real difficult to do this. So some of the other things that we did, which maybe is where, maybe that's where Adam was going to lead next. We'll, we'll never know. Some of the other things we did included... Going Not to, touching. I didn't. Uh, going to the state capitol, which has an unusual amount of marble, I think is a fair way to put it. Yeah. We did oh, the yeah. tour with uh, a group of local school children. Led by Colonel Sanders. That's not accurate. It was a very fun way to do a tour because the kids were appropriately like excited, not like too excited, but still when the tour I would say things, there would be oohs and ahs and, and reactions that was kind of like having a live studio audience for your tour. Mm. And there are lots, of, in addition to lots of marble, there are lots of paintings. And the tour guide told us that a lot of those paintings are of any ladies with red hair is probably Wisconsin. That's the other name of the person. They, yeah. Um, and that, uh, what was the other? Th- oh, you said that there was a badger. There's a lot of badgers in Wisconsin. And so they had a very large, much larger than a badger statue outside of one of the rooms. And you could uh, rub its nose for good luck. It's one of those things where on a statue everyone's touching the same part of the statue so then it gets like super shiny Mm -hmm. and the rest of it kind of weathers and ages as it as it normally would so because we were with a bunch of school children nothing against the i don't know 30 school children touched it first and i just thought coming out of a pandemic i don't know that i need to it was for good luck and i thought the best luck that i can give myself is not getting sick at the beginning of this trip because i touched the badger's nose with a bunch of school children i also didn't touch it but for very different reasons such as... Yeah, I'm not into superstition. Oh, oh, superstition. Oh, oh, that's fair. Uh, you know, I realized while we're talking about... Because obviously Wisconsin very badger-heavy yeah. influence state. So that makes them Hufflepuff, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, it's a Hufflepuff Unafraid state. Unafraid of toil? Mm. Sure. Yeah, I just never really Loyal heard of me. It's just a state of Hufflepuffs. Yeah. All oh, right. I get behind that. Yeah. What color is Hufflepuff? Yellow. 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 Like cheese. Yellow. Right. Oh, like, boy. You know what? You know what? I know. It's the all coming together now. The Hufflepuff shining brighter and brighter the more we talk about this, isn't it? We went to that candy shop and they only had Hufflepuff. Like they had an assortment of Harry Potter candies <laughs> and they only had Hufflepuff like little tins. I don't know if they had mint in them or whatever. And now it kind of feels like, oh, I guess that was appropriate. Now I almost feel like I could have got one as a reminder of Wisconsin and their and their nature. Yeah, we thought it's because no one wanted those, but little did we know they were ordering right. only Hufflepuff ones. Exactly. That's what the state's for. Exactly. Yeah. It, it makes a lot more sense now. Yeah, the state capital tour was a blast. And I will yeah. say, I, I don't know where everyone who may or may not listen to this lives. Take a state capital tour. Yeah. Like, be kind of, do some local learning stuff. Mm-hmm. They're doing them every hour on the hour, at least. <laughs> and I don't here. know if so, that's, yeah, I don't know if that's everywhere. And I don't know that, I think Wisconsin does have a rather impressive state capital. They built it in the 20s after the other one had burned down. And I think that gave them extra motivation to really go all out. Like this is the last capital we're building is definitely the energy there. And it was the roaring 20s. And I don't think, because at the end of the tour, we were kind of talking with the tour guide and he sort of started to ask us about the Indiana state capital. And we did not have the answers. We had not recently done the tour, but I don't imagine that it is anywhere near as impressive. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's as big. I don't think it houses as many offices. I think there's like an auxiliary building because ours is old and was not built in a sense where it was like, this is it. It was, it felt really, cause like, you know, 
working downtown, like two, you're just two blocks from the state capitol building. Yeah. No matter, almost no matter where yeah, you're at. Small downtown. So having worked downtown for years now, it was, what's your state capitol like? Uh. Yeah, it's like, it's definitely there. I've we, seen it's, it. It's there. I walk by it a lot. Uh-huh, I definitely uh-huh. think we should, we should tour it. But other things we did in Wisconsin. We went to New Glarus, which is awesome. I, I don't the know. The town and the brewery. The town and the brewery. Yes. I, I don't know if I was more impressed by the beautiful brewery or by the fact that there's not an establishment, I think, that we visited that sold food that didn't sell spotted cow. Yeah. Like the market You've penetration is deep. Just filling that. It is yeah. deep. And when you, the brewery being that big and only distributing Wisconsin, that makes perfect sense that like you, you'd have to have that good of market penetration mm-hmm. to make that much beer. It was very impressive. It was. The thing I was most impressed about visiting that brewery was how clean it was. And I know it's part of, you know, they are making, I know it's part of what they're doing. It was Controlled spoilage. It was still super impressive. And mm-hmm. I think that is the energy that I would have liked to see at the House on the Hill, which <laughs> I think the dim lighting may have had something to, like, I think that the cleanliness of it, if you turned on all those lights, might not really be it brewery levels and by no. might not is in no way could it possibly be they did have stills there. there i don't ever. think they have dusted yeah. it, which uh, to me like the the ambiance so the house on the hill for people who don't know adam would tell us about this yeah good luck so the house on the rocks is oh, a oh, what's on the rock um that, Should i've been telling people wrong? that's the name of it the but it's, it's also Simon on a hill, hill so it's all good just for anybody searching house on the hill i think is a horror movie uh. house on the rock is a different kind of horror movie but it's yeah. a in live in person place where uh so the person that built it was an architect who uh supposedly what has some sort of feud with um Frank. Oh, the Frank Lloyd Wright. Frank Lloyd Wright. Yeah. And so he wanted to like prove this to, or if he wanted to build this to prove it to Frank Lloyd Wright, like, oh, I'm this amazing architect, build and it with collections of well, varying degrees of interesting yeah. to nightmare fuel. So, like, there's so, a whole range of those things within there. So um, what, 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 what originally, what originally happened was he, he wanted to build something like he he was in this rivalry and he wanted to build something to impress the uh, people so he built uh a, a japanese a traditional japanese home on the rock and he's like oh, i'm just going to do this and then people kept coming up and looking at it and so he's like i don't i hate people i hate all these people ah and then he realized i could charge the money so he started charging money for people to come and look at just a traditional Japanese house. Because he didn't really live there, right? Doesn't seem like it. According like to it, the, the interwebs, that uh, he only stayed four nights. Right. So he did just build it for the sake of building. It was never really meant to be his home. Yeah. And so that traditional Japanese, he started charging people. And people came and looked at it because it was kind of cool. And then he started adding on the nightmare fuel. With the money, he just started collecting stuff and putting it in buildings. And by stuff, I mean... We all want to like say one war, thing that war we saw. elephants to scale. Yeah, um, scale war elephants. Like yeah. circus models of circuses that were larger than any table could have ever housed. And like just so these... detailed that they had the stake carts for the circus. I thought I saw like uh, like one of the train cars on these model circuses. I thought that like ballpoint pens were spilling out of it. And I kept examining it and I was like, oh no, those are just models of the stakes that they use to hold up the tent. And 
every one of the models had them. They all had state yeah. cards. Yeah, I can't. Uh, By that point, I was pretty, all full up on weird. Pretty pretty hefty collection of self-playing musical instruments. Oh, my That God. was a recurring theme. Some of them yep. were being played by fictional like, mannequins that animatronic. were creepy. Yeah, animatronic was the vibe. Yeah. The orchestra, yeah. I like. I felt uncomfortable in the room. Uh, a lot of no, like, like early Disney style, like pre-Disney style animatronics that mm-hmm. were just... Uh, if you're familiar with the concept of the Uncanny Valley, this is probably... That's it. Yeah, this, I don't know why that's not the name of the place. This is the bottom of the Uncanny Valley. Yeah. You, they haven't even started coming back up. It's the just Uncanny down Valley there. house on yeah. the rock. Uh, lots and lots of merry-go-round horses. Yep. Oh. Carousel was a big... There was a gigantic carousel, and I think they may be the world's largest. I don't really know. You don't get to ride it. No. So all of that hubbub for this carousel, and it's like, yep, there it is. Look at it. Keep walking. If you've read the book American Gods, the the carousel is a key place in that novel by Mr. Neil Gaiman. Like it does. That's got to be making it better for people. Yeah. I assume if you go there and you're a big fan, like I was a big fan of the book. So once I realized where I was at, because I, Adam did not tell us where we were going. I think he mentioned the name of the place, but I wasn't putting two and two together. So when we got there and the people there were trying to, because we got there late. Public mm-hmm. service announcement about when to arrive at the House on the Rock. I think Kelly's going to say don't. The, I mean, you have, I, I uh, that is what I would say. The marketing material say. suggests that if you get there by 3 p.m., then you can finish the tours in time. The employees, the 30,000 employees, and by that I mean like seven, will follow you around and remind you that you need to hurry. You're going to miss the carousel. We got there before the allotted time. Well, yeah, we did get out long before the time. And I'm using the phrase get out, and I mean it. (laughs) Escape. (laughs) Yeah, it, it felt like escaping. But because it's so big, I kind of get why they are ushering people along because... They're, they've lost people. There's no way they I'm haven't sh- lost it's, people. It's so, it's so big that, like, yeah. It, yeah, it makes sense that they're, like, hurrying you along because they need to get you all the way out this door. And there's, like, two miles of yeah. walking to do to get from the beginning of this place, actually through all the paths that they've laid out for you, to the end of it. It's constantly dark. It's constantly mood lighting. Yes. It's really, it's upsetting in what some people, Adam and me, will find uh, pleasant. It's pleasantly upsetting. Now, I found, it <laughs> not to be upsetting. A, I found it not to be as dark as the caves. Oh, sure. We did, well, in fact. the caves did light up under blacklight. And I bet you would find a lot of things under blacklight at the House on the Rock as well. <laughs> now, in fairness to their cleaning, I imagine if you were a person at that House on the Rock and you're like, oh, my job is to clean, the questions you would have to ask, such as like, um, excuse me, can I use Comet Cleanser on this acrylic bassoonist face or no? Like they, <laughs> yeah. The scenarios you're running into are so absurd, I, I, you just walk away. A giant, away. giant whale and kraken fighting each other. And when I say you mean giant, giant, you mean like be, you have to go there to understand how big it is. The like pictures, yeah. I couldn't, pictures won't do it. It's bigger than what you're thinking. Yeah. Yeah. And, and now that we've said that, you're thinking bigger, and still, you're probably still not quite you're there. Not there. Not you're going to see a picture of it is. online, and you're going to think you know how big it is, nope, and you bigger. will be wrong. It's it bigger. is bigger than what you think. It is It is breathtaking, perhaps breath-stealing. And I, they might have also been ushering us through there very fast because of a, a whole like night at the museum kind of thing that probably goes on there. 
It would explain a lot. Yeah. So they really well, don't want you to be there after five. That would be the worst museum. For oh my gosh. Museum. Let's be Can you... here. If you're oh picking a museum God. for that to happen, that is That's... not the one. Oh, hard pass. The, uh, the number of centaurs you're running from near that <laughs> organ room. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. But we did go to caves. We did went to caves. We went to we caves. We went to a cave. So I, we did. I, I thought the caves were enchanting and lovely. I only have one complaint about the caves. There's okay. this cool feature of the caves, which Kelly alluded to where it, like the way the chemicals mix together in the caves, there's like an iridescence when you see them under black light. Mm-hmm. And you, you can't see it without the black light. It just looks like a stone, like a gray stone, like a gray, yeah, boring stone. They charge you $10 to rent a black light to go into the cave. They should make you, they should, it should be part of the price of admission. Mm-hmm. It's a hundred times cooler with the black light. Right. Charge everybody five more dollars. Yeah. They should just, they shouldn't let lights. you experience that cave without the black light. It is really cool to see. Like, and it's I will say, fine like, without the black we saw light, all these like but... orange and blue specks, and we were like, "Ooh, what are these orange and blue specks?" And they were like, "Oh, that's your the lint from your clothing." And we're like, "Okay, well, that's not as fun." You're, but you're there were destroying there were some nature. Really, that's there what's some happening. Cool things in there as well, though. And yeah, it was like it was, con- it was the right size for like a multiple stop tour day, right? Like we did that yeah. in the morning. And it was just enough walking through full cave experience, mm-hmm. but not Drippy. so much where you're like, oh, I'm yeah. five and a half miles into the earth mm-hmm. and I don't know when I get out and how I get out. Yeah. yeah, no no crawling on your belly. It's all walking. There's only one really tight squeeze in the entire thing. Yeah, and it's like a they've poured a concrete path through it. Right. So it's kind of, it's interesting like to think about how did they how did they actually go about making that path there? Now that it's all in place, it's great, but it also feels like because there's points where you can kind of like see down further in through little crevices and things like that. So it's a very, I expected, you know, there'd be more steps, more something, but it's pretty much like, yeah, there's a flat path. There yeah. was, there was a, uh, there was definitely a difference between the, the people who either had been working there a long time or just were really interested in the subject mm-hmm. and, and people that were working there that had either just started there or really don't care about caves that they're just but working But they there. all seemed like, kids like the people who were inside the cave because it was self-guided but there were people inside the cave who you could like ask cave questions to yeah i don't know if i'm just being completely inaccurate about their ages but they all read to me as like teenagers yeah yeah like high school students yeah so there was there was the one that we all remember the very bubbly one who knew everything that has ever happened in a cave ever yeah but then there was uh i i at one point at a different part of the cave i noticed that there were a lot of um What's it called when they're hanging down? So like tights. No, they're soda straws. Soda straws. Yeah, so soda the, straws. so some of these soda straws had like flat. Uh, well, I think it, I think actually some of these were stalactites that where the like bottoms of them had been chopped off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I, I asked the person that was working in the cave like, uh, "What happened there?" And she gave me an answer, and I was like, "So how old are these stalactites?" Knowing that they're like really old. And and she looks at she looks at it and she pauses for like five years, trying to think of something she can say that's going to sound accurate, but not beg more questions. And really, I wish she had just said, "Not really sure. Ask someone else." But she didn't, and she said a hundred years. One of the little things there said that like the caves are still growing or yeah. something. Yeah. So I don't know what the cave has done for the last hundred years, or how different it does look over a hundred years. I'm not saying that she was right, but yeah, like I didn't really, I didn't know that caves 
still grew. But I think I think that that individual, notwithstanding, I felt like everyone else there was very helpful and lovely, and she was actually kind. Yeah, no, they were all amazing. She was amazing. Uh, like she was she was a great human being. The other weird thing, and it's not weird, but I guess it's fine, that there's like a gift shop. Yeah. And so you want to think that like, well, these must be things from the cave. Like there must be stones here from the cave or this is oh. something here. Something in here, aside from the T-shirt, is a memento of me being there. Because they had lots of like uh, geodes and all these like precious rocks and all kinds of stuff like that. Well, Adam asked, you know, is this stuff here that you're selling from this cave? And the lady was like, no, caves are federally protected and you can't sell anything out of a cave. So, so zero all of this of stuff things. came from literally anywhere else except for this cave. <laughs> yeah. Much like yep. the Capitol building where none of the stone was from the United That's States. That's true. That marble did come from other places. Germany, Everywhere in Europe. Italy. It was a bit of a spoiler for the Greece. cave. Oh, Greece. Yeah. So that was, which is fine. I get like, you know, we're here appreciating geology, so maybe it doesn't matter that it didn't come from the cave but it is sort of like you can't like chop up you can't chop up not one of those stalactites that's fallen down so no but it also means that we're chopping up other countries caves or whatever to get this stuff here whatever they're getting that yeah but just not our caves yeah blew my mind honestly i'm not gonna sleep for a year and a half thinking about that like that is just (laughs) the most insane fact that i don't feel like anyone in this world knows so speaking of insane facts, I thought it might be fun uh, if everyone just kind of said, we learned a lot of things on the trip. The oh. thing they learned that was the most fun on the trip. The I'm ready to go while fun. you guys think of your thing. I think the thing I learned Is that I did not you, know. You want to tell us a really fun thing? Yeah, yeah, he just wants to tell us a fun thing. Okay. But, you know, I, I thought I would, you know, do a thing uh, yeah. where everyone would do it. And put the, everyone under pressure th- to think of a fun thing when you already have one ready. You know what? A thing I learned on the trip that was <laughs> <Okay>. very fun. <laughs> yeah. That I did not know before the trip was that... Uh, the the famous cracked Liberty Bell given as a gift to uh, it, to that's on display in Philadelphia was actually a replica of this bell was actually given to every state uh, some years later and there's one in the capital and the state of Wisconsin had no idea that every state had yeah, a those bell. bells are just everywhere it turns out yeah and they made fifty two so there are or was is either fifty two or fifty three so there are some unused bells. I think, well, one's in D.C., they yeah. said. So that's one of the over 50. Yeah. Oh, I, I don't know where the other... T- maybe the... Yeah. You know Secret what? Maybe, maybe maybe, the second one went... Maybe they gave it... They maybe gave, like, Pittsburgh or Philadelphia a second one. Well, the, the other thing is, I think that those bells were gifted pre-annexation uh, of Alaska and or Hawaii. So, oh, so, so there could be even more extra. Yeah, so they're, they're like 40, 48 states at this point. Well, we already broke one, so... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? There's... There's one waiting for you, Puerto Rico. It's right there. France has just given us some stuff, by the way. I don't think we give them enough like credit. France has just given us an uh, uh, the Statue of Liberty. Yeah. Fifty bells. What's that about? I don't. I don't understand it. Aaron, one thing. This is not a fact that I learned, but I would like to get your thoughts, which I think I know on this. I felt like you got the exact correct amount of like uh, Cubs ribbing while you were here because you were regularly oh, wearing cup right. stuff like not Regular, so much that it was like a problem but just stuff. a few people saying some things yeah i feel like you know that, that's uh that's to be expected when you're in uh you know enemy territory um and and i feel like i was only threatened I, it was only once was i threatened that i would not be admitted to a place at the gateway to the cave at the Aaron gateway almost to the cave. Now, wasn't she, uh, allowed into the cave she did let me in now it, it turns out that the cubs beat the milwaukee brewers on the first game of the season while we were there which made it a little bit worse after the game things were worse i think it was still in jest like oh, it was no, never there was no serious actual yeah no 
No, Milwaukee fans are, you know, it's good people. It's not unless you go to like, you know, you go to New England, Boston area, then you get, that's no good. Yeah, Boston sucks. Who else do we want to call you, out? You heard it here first. Aaron <laughs> says. <laughs> I'm just saying, yeah, I won't, I won't tell the stories. They're off topic. But Adam, who do you want to alienate? What? What? Like, Nobody. They- Wisconsin is a very welcoming state. <laughs> We'd like everyone to come up here. It's very tourism driven. Uh, one thing, I, this is a, a, I would call it an error. Everything was fine. But like I, when I was picking like where we would go eat, in hindsight, boy, were they all sausage and cheese curds in hindsight. <laughs> Not a lot of, because you know, you think, I, I thought about, hey, let's have them with some local fare. And I thought about individually just great places. And I had like weeks to think about this. So I'd be mm-hmm. like, oh, as I'm driving around, we should go there. And just kind of made the list, not thinking about our colons would have to experience all of this within a four day period. So in hindsight, a few more salads, which was not an option anywhere I, on the main part of the menu. Now, I did sneak in some salads. There was a time we went to, I don't remember what the name of the place was, um, but they had burgers. And I saw burgers being delivered to the table next to us. And almost out of shock and horror, I, it, it scared me into a salad. I was like, I can't, I can't, I see it now. And I can't, I can't, I can't do it. So... It was, I had to very intentionally pick salads at times to try to keep it together. It is heavy fare. And I think being a northern town, you have that idea of like a cold winter. And just being cold burns a lot of calories. It was a little cold. It was cold for half of our trip, not even the whole trip. Um, But yes, when you're going for kind of what is local, what feels authentic, it is also pretty heavy food. And uh, as a group, I think we came back to Indiana, even after offloading a lot of games, came back with maybe about 10 extra pounds or so. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Uh, I can tell you a fun thing I did learn about Wisconsin. Okay. Uh, They're small towns, and I can't, I've only been to so many. Mm -hmm. Um, The small towns in Wisconsin are surprisingly good at attracting tourism because they all have a unique thing about them. Like we went to the troll town. We did. And they just have a lot of trolls. There are a lot of carvings of uh, sort of Scandinavian uh, trolls everywhere. Mm-hmm. And that's fun and cool. That was on the way to the cave. Um, also home of the Duluth Trading Company's flagship store, yeah. oddly enough. I had yeah. no idea. Uh, New Glarus, the town, not the brewery, is very heavily Swiss-themed. And it's fantastic. It's very and cute. There's a restaurant there where you can get really good Swiss style um, dip and bread and cheese. Fondue. fondue. Yep. I'm fond of fondue. Oh. Uh, there was some town the last time I was in Wisconsin that was it was a German town, and the, and all of the towns seem to be very fixated on one part of Europe, uh, like New Glarus is Switzerland. They settled and just didn't leave. It's kind of the vibe. Like, yeah. Yep. Yeah. We came here. We made a town. Yeah. This uh, is us now. There is there was another town that was like that I went to at one point that was very German, and I mean like very old German downtown, mm-hmm. and it was adorable. And so it seems like Bavarian. Like, like you can actually, it, it, I I'm not gonna say don't go to small town Indiana. It's not the same. No, no. we're not we're not doing. You know, grew up in small town Indiana. It's a thing that exists and and great, but. They're not. Mm-mm. They don't want your tours. You might no. find no. a lot of trolls. 
Yeah, not. Uh, <laughs> it's gonna it's gonna be corn and soy. Yeah, a lot of a lot of corn, a yep. lot of soy, a lot of Rust Belt sadness. Mm. There's you know there's Santa Claus Indiana. That's that's oh, fun true. and has its own kind of weirdness. That's, yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, the, a lot of the small towns or smaller towns around Indianapolis are college towns because we have Purdue, IU, and Ball State. So yeah, that's kind of what's happening. A- after that, yeah, we there don't... might be a, a couple other places that have a thing. It seems like a lot of the small town, the, this, a lot of the small towns I've seen in Wisconsin, and maybe I'm just saying these because those are the fun ones. Mm. Those are the ones we chose to go to. They, 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 you know so. what? The towns we visited in Wisconsin are the ones that are good at attracting tourists. Yeah, I don't know. I can't, can't believe it. But, <laughs> oh, but they're oh, like they're all little mini like Disneyland's without rides. It's just like the fun yeah. like decoration of a place that's kind of cool. It was it, it's it's neat. That's yeah. what I have to say. It was very nice. It was very nice. Aaron, do you have coffee thoughts? I don't know how you've gone this long without. I mean, um, there were we, uh, we we had different coffee every day. Uh, unlike what Adam suggested, the Pancake House was the worst coffee on the trip. Um, I brought coffee in from somewhere Bradbury else. Coffee on day one was an exquisite cup of coffee, and if I lived in Wisconsin, it would be a part of my weekly rotation of and coffee. Good crepes, drink, mm-hmm. and, and great crepes. Yeah, uh, and then we we stopped at a place sw- on we didn't have any. We, we didn't have any great coffee <laughs> until Sunday after that. Um, and we stopped at a very uh, an interesting place. They had a spring-loaded Rancilio espresso machine, which I was interested in. And the person operating it was quite adept at making espresso. It was a nice surprise. You could also buy a bunch of yarn there. Yeah, sipping sipping knit sipping knit yeah sippin knit. that sounds right great i mean it's a beautiful Something espresso about drinking and knitting yeah. drinking crochet no? which one do you think's pulling in like the income do you think it's like well i'm making all this yarn money and i've always wanted to have a coffee shop too or the other way around you know i think the margin on the yarn is probably pretty good i have no idea it did look like they might do like classes because they're like knitting clubs are a thing so if you can get yeah. people coming there for your knitting club, then you can sell them drinks. So it it feels like it feels definitely like an add-on to your yarn business that that's going to get you a little more revenue and let people pick your place over somewhere else. I will say there weren't like there were just regular chairs. You would expect more like cozy knitting chairs. You didn't see the back room. I did. Oh. In fact, I walked through the whole place. I, I, I'm going to guess that the coffee shop does. I think the coffee shop holds its own. Yeah. In terms of which one's pulling in more. Because the food just looks too good and the drinks were great. Yeah. But I think honestly, though, like the way the food business works, if you go to a place like that and the food is good and the drinks are great and the prices are competitive with other places, then they're losing. They're not making as much money because they've lost some of their margin by making their stuff so good. You think good. this is like the Costco ro- rotisserie chickens where they're selling the well, drinks I, at cost to get you in to buy yarn? Yeah, I mean, I don't know that it's exactly like that, but I think that definitely in specialty coffee, the big kind of push forward is to not be as concerned with profit, but to be concerned about the quality of the coffee. And so sometimes it's less profitable. Oh, I will say very different subject. Speaking of profit, we went to one bar where they had like a $3 hamburger and two. <laughs> it was concession stand prices. That's where we played Tumbletown, as it turns out. And it was because we tried to go in other places. This was something that is maybe just an effect of COVID, like a long-term effect of COVID, that there were places that Adam wanted to take us that had just shut down and maybe recently. 
So it was kind of weird. We look up a place. I know there's a coffee shop. I think that we looked up, and then it was just it was just not there. There was like a soda shop that was just gone. So uh, when we were trying to find a place to eat slash hang out, we kind of wandered into this bar. They were accommodating enough. Um, I think I ended up having like just chicken tenders, but it was complete concession stand food. So as far as getting an affordable bite to eat in Wisconsin, it's out there for you. Yeah. All of our meals combined was $11. I mean, it couldn't <laughs> be more than that. There's no way. And I got the, the champagne of canned beers. Oh, you got a hams. I got a hams. Yeah. Mm. Oh, yeah. Mm. yeah I, I recall the hams. Oh, we didn't talk about that arcade. Aaron was watching the Cubs game, and we first went to get me a coat because I forgot my coat, and it was that first couple days cold enough that I needed a coat no, to be in a good chilly. mood. Yeah. And after we did that, there was just a building that had an arcade in it. You kind of expect an arcade to be in like a shop around stores. And this was mm. just like, could have also been an office building. Maybe it was an office building. And there before was, someone filled it with arcade machines. There was no door directly to the arcade. You had to go down quite a many hallways. Yeah. And there were keep being signs that were like, you can see the arcade in there, but not through this door. Keep walking to the other door. <laughs> So we also, after all that walking and we realized how big it was, there wasn't anyone like actually manning the front desk. We kind of wandered around and... Uh, you two wandered around. Yes. I stood at the thing like a good little boy. Until somebody came out. Yeah. Um, because it was really close to us just starting to shout or just play things. So it was one of the places where you play to get in and then all the machines, pretty much all the machines. Were they all free? Yeah. 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 All of them, yeah. Even and the pinball machines. He was nice was, enough. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. yeah, it was pretty fun. It, he was nice enough to give us, because we said, we can't stay here long. Like, how does this work? And he gave us a kid rate because we were only going to be there an hour. But usually, you can just pay once, hang out in there all day. It's as dimly lit as the house on the rock. But this is what you expect from an arcade because of yeah. all the flashing lights and such. So there was a uh, like a Star Wars thing that you sat in with like a wraparound screen. Yeah. It's both less exciting and more exciting than you think based it, on that it's description. Like a, it's a... It's a fighters it's a flight simulator but it's not it's on it's a flight simulator on rails yeah yeah and, yeah and it's like the screen uh you get into like this little pod so the screen wraps past your kind of field of vision on either side and uh you're deafening two little <laughs> you have two little uh control sticks and you can you know you're shooting things and moving around and like if you can handle the motion of it because you're not your seat's not moving at all but you're gonna feel as though you are and probably leaning a lot if you can handle that pretty exciting we did play a lot of pinball they had a they had a fair amount of pinball machines yeah there were lots of miscellaneous like racing video games where you like sit either you know regular wheel or even like you sit on the little bike or yeah. whatever some of them some of the some of the cool ones were out of order like crazy taxi the the sit down version was out of order but they Why did have this the, it was somewhere in there but they had the standing version yeah. was working and yeah. i haven't played crazy taxi in a crazy long time mm -hmm. so that was fun uh, the Mario Kart arcade machine was also out, but what did you, you guys, oh, you played the Pod Racers game. Yeah. Yeah, we is... did. It wasn't, the first lap, it was fun. And then the ninth lap, it felt like, <laughs> what are we, what are we really doing here? The graphics aren't getting any better the more that I see this same lap. So it wasn't anything very modern. Like, I think, and this maybe is just my opinion or my living in Indiana observation, that there was kind of a push for arcades when like DDR came out and in the early 2000s, there was a lot going on there. Like and a revival it, of arcades. Yeah, it felt like it dropped off pretty heavy. And now I think it's coming back where there's like newer machines out of Japan, places that like just never lost the culture that have come up with new stuff. 
And this place is not on that second wave. These are all machines oh. from the first or earlier wave, yeah. which has its own charm and nostalgia to it. The guy there seemed it. to be like just trying to keep these machines working. So yeah. that was you could actively see them repairing the machines. And so like there were there were some there were some cabinets, some pinball machines that were half torn apart where mm-hmm. they were clearly working on it. That was kind of cool to see like yeah. that they were putting the time in to keep these things going. And I imagine if you have machines of that age that's actually the job. Yeah. Like yeah. the job is actually repairing them. And then you let people in so that you can buy the parts to continue repairing them. Yeah. It, the collection was, was, was pretty solid. Yeah. Like there was no burger time, which is my personal favorite arcade game. And they didn't really have cabinets. They kind of didn't have a lot of cabinets that old. They, there was a room in the back. There was a room oh, dedicated to classic arcade games. That. Uh, it was all it was all stuff that like uh, I didn't see Rolling Thunder in there. I didn't see I saw like you know there's of course there's Galaga and, and Centipede and you know Asteroids yeah. was in and, there. Okay. It's not that those are those are bad, but they're not Pepper Pete trying to run away from condiments while making the burger of his lifetime. You know, not hardly. No. Yeah. Now DDR because DDR they had one there, but it was broken. Mm-hmm. If that had been working, I feel like that place may have shot to much higher on our list of stops like the, right it really the amount of ddr presence affecting the ranking of a a tour stop uh in a location that would have helped us working off game. some of those meals yeah all of the cheese because yeah. we didn't do we did uh i guess you know we walked through the cave walking through the house on the rock took a while and we also went kind of on like a whim five miles of nightmare sure is uh on a whim went to like a uh arboretum yeah. Is it? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And Make it was the... really nice that day. We didn't actually stay that long, but it was good to just, you know, be out, walk and see some trees. Yeah. Saw I... a snake. Oh, yeah, yeah we, did we did see a snake. It's a great, uh, it's a great, it's a great time. Mm-hmm. I think next time we'll probably do a little more lake looking. Yeah. Than we uh, did this time. Yeah. Probably a probably little more. Probably a little more gameplay than we yeah. did this time, honestly. We could do, yeah. uh, there, there is like, it would have been, uh, cool. Maybe. I don't actually know if this is cool, but like, go to a cave and then play a cave game. Mm-hmm. Like uh, maybe, you know what? We could have played uh, Clank Legacy, flip it onto the backside where you're oh. down in the underworld. Now, I do feel like Adam was trying to hint at some of these things because before we went, he was asking me about themes of certain games. Uh, so I was like, what's a Scandinavian game? Because I knew we were going to go to those towns where that was the thing. Pro- like, oh, so yeah, I was trying to work towards it, but I also didn't want to be like, Let's sign up for this five-hour game because I know how we play games either. Like, we kind of had a yeah. somewhat of a schedule as well. Like, it was yeah. moving enough where a long game in the middle of the day would have not worked all the time. It was nice to, for going the first time, it was the first time I'd been to Madison, to kind of take in what was there and around as much as we could have definitely just sat in any one room and played games for four days, had our own little mini convention. Uh, it was It was nice for being up there the first time to spend more time out taking thing like seeing what was there and yeah. getting a feel for like the town and the surrounding area yeah i i agree 100 percent. well just remember to keep playing games and play wisconsinably oh i don't like that Thank you so much for listening to episode 43. Be sure to subscribe to know when new episodes drop. 
You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Twitch at Variant Hex. We have a website and a blog at VariantHex.com. And you can email us at podcast at VariantHex.com. Thank you for hanging with us till the end of the episode. We hope you enjoyed hearing a bit more about Madison in addition to what games we played while we were there. Definitely check out NobleKnight.com for a great selection of new and used games. The next episode, we'll be getting back to some of our other recurring series here on the podcast, such as board game reviews, top fives, maybe even some new formats such as analysis paralysis, where we overthink some board game relating musings. That's a very long way of saying we haven't recorded anything yet, but it will be something to do with games. If you're listening to these in reverse, you have 42 more episodes headed your way. The next one being Adam, Aaron, and myself discussing our games of the month for March 2022. And that's all for now. Thank you so much for spending your time with us today.